In what is considered the greatest tragedy ever written, two great loves are torn apart by their families and the need for vengeance. They choose to love no matter the consequences. In the end, that choice will cost them all they have. Our two great loves, Romeo and Juliet. The book, a play, actually. Romeo and Juliet by William Shakespeare. And you're listening to Lit Society. Let's get a show about books and drama. Alexis, did you have a physical copy of our play this week? I do. Okay, is that how you took it in? You read it or you listened to it? I did both. Oh, okay, awesome. So did I. Um, And can I ask, is your copy that you read, is that in Old English? Yes, actually I have um, both copies of that as well. Oh, okay, I see you have the copy we both received in Portugal. At the famous, I don't know, Lilo, Liberi, or, oh, that's French. <laughs> anyway, at that bookstore, people know in Porto, <laughs> we went in there, bought a ticket, and they gave us a book. They didn't give it to us because we bought a ticket to enter that bookstore. But we do share a little tour of that bookstore on our IG and TikTok if you guys are interested. Anyway, now that I've lulled you into a false sense of comfort, it's time for our theme of the week. <laughs> this week, our theme is a game. <laughs> Cuckolds and Strumpets Part 2. This is not exciting. Born from and used in plays of Shakespeare will make you question your fluency in the Queen's English. So let us begin. Alexis, do you remember how this game works? Nope. <laughs> you go ahead and guess correctly what each word means. And if you guess most of them correct, <laughs> you win a million dollars. You know that. Oh, is that it? <laughs> yeah. So here we go. I will also give you a quote. From the play for each word. Are you ready for your first word, Alexis? No. Okay, here we go. First word, addle, addle. The quote, thy head is as full of quarrels as an egg is full of meat. And yet thy head hath been beaten as addle as an egg for quarreling. Addle. And this is the part of the show where I just lean back and laugh. Ha, 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 ha. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, you got it. Addle. Addle. Thy head hath been beaten as addle, as an egg. As an egg. Scrambled. <gasps> yes! Yeah! Why am I shocked? <laughs> yes, you great literary mind. That is correct. Addle means mix up or confuse. Alexis, yay! Okay. Number two, girl, you're going to be wealthy. Mm. Number two. You ready? No. You good. <laughs> you ready today? Yes, you is. Here we, here we go. Immerse. Immerse. 
I have an interest in your hate's proceeding. My blood for your rude brawls doth lie a-bleeding, but I'll immerse you with so strong a fine that you shall all repent the loss of mine. I believe those are the prince's words. They are. Um, immerse, immerse. I'll immerse you with so strong a fine that you shall all repent the loss of mine. So maybe um, fill them up or um, cover them or throw upon. Well, you know, A can sometimes mean without. So this is a merce. Sometimes A at the beginning of a word means without. I know what he's saying, but I, I, I don't know what a means. I know you means. do. I have an interest in your hate's proceeding. My blood for your rude brawls doth lie a bleeding, but I'll immerse you with so strong a fine that you shall all repent the loss of mine. So the, the, the what I can think of doesn't make sense. That's why I said fill them up. What can with you think a, of? Without, if it's A, A, then it would be he would remove something from them or take away. Immerse. Immerse is the word. I don't know. So take away? Yeah. No, that's not an answer. What's oh, your answer? Uh, that's a take away. Take away. Uh, ooh. Immerse to punish with an arbitrary penalty, as in without mercy. So random. That's not even it. That's dumb. Okay, go ahead. Old English. What a shame. That's the shame. Thou <laughs> <laughs> be it the shame. Doth it's the shame of the st- Okay. <laughs> Number three. Pernicious. Pernicious. What ho, you men, you beasts? <laughs> this is Shakespeare. That quench the fire of your pernicious rage with purple fountains issuing from your veins. Pernicious. Oh, I didn't even hear the word used. Go ahead, read it again. Less drama, more actual reading, okay? That quench the fire of your pernicious rage with purple fountains issuing from your veins. Oh, I know what pernicious. I know what pernicious means, but um, your. Um, pernicious, nutritious, delicious oh my rage. Oh, goodness. Um, so your fiery rage, your. Um, is pernicious a good thing or a bad thing? It's a bad thing. Yes, I'll take it. Exceedingly harmful. So you already got that it was like a lot of something, Mm -hmm. but it's also bad. So it's exceedingly harmful, pernicious. I feel like there's another definition too. Let me look that up right quick. Boom, 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 boom. Having a harmful effect, especially in a gradual or subtle way. I think pernicious mm. is used modern in modern times as well. Yeah, pernicious is used because if you put the wig glue on your edges, then it will perniciously remove those edges <laughs> to the back of your skull. Right? Exceedingly harmful in a subtle way. I don't know. The pernicious effect of wig glue. There we go. Moving on. Number four. How many is it? I'm tired already. Oh, yeah. It's seven. Oh, You're on your way. Oh, my goodness. Why do you choose so many? 
Prodigious. 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 Oh, did we use this already? Prodigious birth of love. It is to me that I must love a loathed enemy. Prodigious. Prodigious. Prodigious love. Right? Prodigious birth oh. of love. It is to me prodigious that I must love. love a loathed enemy. Prodigious love. Okay, so prodigious love is a um no no I, I'm one to prodigious love. is the word and the quote is prodigious birth, oh, birth of love it is to me prodigious birth um an unwanted love an unwanted birth oh that that's very good no <laughs> but I like it. <laughs> prodigious means great in size, force, oh, extent, yeah. or degree. That makes sense. Prodigious. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now, let's see. Out of four so far, you got one. <laughs> so there's no way you're going to win a million dollars, but we will give you a consolation prize. So why don't get... we quit while we're ahead, okay? Oh, no, no. We're not quitters. Oh, we're not quitters. Oh. If you get the next three right, we will give you a fraction of the grand prize money. This has never been done before, folks. Are y'all ready? <laughs> okay, okay. Number five, Mickle. Mickle. Oh, Mickle is the powerful grace that lies in plants, herbs, stones, and their true qualities. For not so vile that on earth doth live, but to the earth some special good doth give. Nor aught so good, but strained from that fair use, revolts from the true birth, stumbling on abuse. Well, let's just have the first Mickle. part of that, okay? Oh, Mickle is the powerful grace that lies in plants, herbs, stones, and their true qualities. Uh, mickle. Oh, mickle. Is it a part of a leaf? No, it's an adjective. So not a noun. Oh, mickle is the powerful grace. Oh, mickle is the powerful grace. Gentle warning. That would also be a noun. <laughs> mickle is a large number or a mount or extent. A what? Oh, mickle is the powerful grace. So there's so much grace in creation. Oh, my goodness. Okay, moving on. Mm-hmm. Number six. So you ain't getting no money, but we just playing for funsies. <laughs> Final two That's words. Fun. You started off so promising. I still got faith in you, though. You my friend. <laughs> Number six. Knave. Knave. Oh. More light, you knaves, and turn the tables up and quench the fire. The room has grown too hot. Knave. I know what a knave is, but it's too early yes, to actually do. know what a knave is. So I it's don't so know. It's early in the morning. <laughs> yeah, y'all got to give us some grace. Go ahead. G- give us your uh, best guess. A person that um, uh, that is helpful to um, somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> so close. A deceitful and unreliable scoundrel. So the opposite of what you said. And finally, (laughs) final word. You ready? Uh Uh-uh. Yeah, you got it. Okay. Beshrew. Beshrew. Beshrew your heart for sending me about to catch my death with Johnson up and down. Beshrew. Throw. Move. 
Mm. Uh, <laughs> one more time. One more again. One more again. Oh, no. sure. Yeah. No, no. Pursue <laughs> <laughs> your hearts. Oh, for sending me to catch my death with jouncing up and down. Shame on your heart. Hey, what's happening? Yes. Pursue means. Wish harm or evil upon. And that's it. Alexis, you're Baseless. a winner. Okay. Don't try to do the math. <laughs> you won. <laughs> Your prize money shall be delivered after the show. And would you like to take a quick break yeah, before absolutely. we get into some contact? Let's hurry All up. right, let's go. <laughs> he was and his inspiration for this work. Okay, well um, we talked about author the author in our episode Othello, so I'm going to focus more on the actual book. So Romeo and Juliet was one of Shakespeare's most popular plays during his lifetime and one of his most frequently performed plays. The play is actually based on an Italian tale written by Matteo Bandello and translated and retold by others. Shakespeare heavily borrowed from those writings, but expanded the plot by developing the characters um, Mercutio and Paris. It's believed that it um, was written between 1591 and 1595, having first been performed around 1596. Um, the original story, unaltered by Shakespeare, took mm-hmm. about nine months to unwind. Shakespeare unwinds this story in about four days. Shakespeare also made the lovers younger than the original um, lovers. Um, here, Romeo is 16 and Juliet is 13. Uh Romeo and Juliet has been adapted as a ballet and opera, the musical West Side Story and dozens of films. That's a good reminder. Yeah. West Side Story is based on Romeo and Juliet. Of course, a lot of people my age are very familiar with the Baz Luhrmann. Luhrmann? Yeah. Uh, Version with Leonardo DiCaprio, Claire Danes. It is etched into our brains. Why though? Why? it, it's like clueless. Um, in fact, it may have been released around the same time. So it's uh, a part for uh, millennials and grand millennials. It's a part of who you became. Oh, wow. <laughs> who you became. It is, it, it is in your history, etched into your brain. And whenever I uh, take in this work, those are the actors I think of. Oh, wow. Um, Alexis has never seen that movie, you guys. Never seen so it. Stay tuned. Never heard it. <laughs> No, never heard of it. No, never even heard of it. Never even heard of it. So stay tuned for a bonus episode. Okay, you got any other context for it? Wait, wait. Is that an early work of Leonardo DiCaprio? It's, um, it is. So Leonardo DiCaprio was like on sitcoms as like a really young guy. Uh, so I I don't know if I want to say it's an early work, but it's in the special time of his life. 
where he was just so cute. And it was like, uh, I want to say around the Titanic years. Oh, okay. When he really hit his peak in the face department. Okay. And he was like this desperate, he was, he was also a brilliant actor and he played this desperation very well. And then Claire Danes introduced us to her crying, which I believe you can find in the Smithsonian. (laughs) It is the ugliest of cries, not to be rivaled by the Carrie Washington cries, (laughs) but it is ugly in its own right. And we love it. Wow. Of course, we know the queen of crying is Viola Davis. However, (laughs) Claire didn't know how to make her nose cry, too. I don't know how Viola do that. Uh, Alexis turned that movie on, y'all, and turned it up. She thought she was watching the wrong movie. Yes, I did. In real life. What is this? All right, Alexis. Well, thank you for that. Do you have perhaps a brief synopsis for us? Spoiler free before we dive into this week's play. Yes, I like to keep it simple. You know, young lovers from rival families find love and are willing, are willing to risk everything to keep it. Kari. They the definition of risking it all. (laughs) Yes. Who do you think would enjoy reading this book? Yeah, so if you are a fan of tragic love stories, um, then this is for you. I won't even say a fan of Shakespeare. This work is unique in both its rhyming qualities, its brevity. Um, But if you love the tragic love story, then you will love this book and or play. And Alexis, what made you choose Romeo and Juliet? Aside from its brevity this week. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I like a short book. Okay. (laughs) Me too. It's a given. I'm going to pick one. Um, (laughs) I've never seen or read Romeo and Juliet. Oh. Ever. Whoa. Yeah. Wait. Whoa. (laughs) This is special. Okay. I did not know that. No. Okay. I hadn't. Got it. Okay. I'd seen um, uh, West Side Story. But I never mm-hmm, mm-hmm. had this story um, as so. Base. Did you not know how it ended? Um, just from West Side Story, I knew. Right, yeah, right. Because that's my mm. reference to Romeo and Juliet. That's it. So mm-hmm. I hadn't seen it, but I had the opportunity to go to Shakespeare's hometown, Stratford upon Avon, as well as pick up the lovely copy that we um, mentioned from the most beautiful bookshop in the world in Porto, mm-hmm. Portugal. And so I figured it was finally time to read it. I love this so much. I am so excited. <laughs> Let us waste no more time. Um, Let's go ahead and dive deep into Romeo and Juliet by William Shakespeare. Alexis, please, you have the floor. All right. So um, let me introduce you briefly to some of the main characters. That's Romeo, the 16-year-old and son and heir of the Montague family. He's handsome, he's intelligent and sensitive, and he's very idealistic. If you are watching this on YouTube, I will go ahead and put up uh, videos of the characters so that you, of course, can tie like a face to the characters she will go ahead and uh, describe the lives of. Okay. Of course, they will all be from the Baz Luhrmann uh, version, (laughs) the movie. Course. Which takes place in Venice, California, by the way. It's brilliant. It really is brilliant. Is, okay, it, go ahead. is it though? Yes. Okay. All, right. All right. If you say so. Anyway, he's impulsive <laughs> and immature 
And he's not interested in violence, okay? He's a he's a lover, not a fighter. Um, then there's Juliet. She's 13. She's the daughter of the Capulet family. She's beautiful. She doesn't think anything of marriage until she falls for Romeo. Her closest friend and confidant is her nurse. Then there's Friar Lawrence. He's a friend to both Romeo and Juliet. He's always ready with a plan and he's kind and civic minded. Um, There's Mercutio, um, Romeo's close friend, and he's a hothead and a really bad influence. And he's related to the prince. Then there's the nurse, that's Juliet's confidant and the woman who breastfed her as a baby. And then there's Tybalt, that's Juliet's cousin, and he hates the Montagues. And then there's all the parents, the mom and the dad Montague and the mom and dad Capulet, okay? And then there's the prince of Verona, and then I'll introduce you briefly to the narrator who is commonly referred to in the book as the chorus. So the chorus provides a prologue. The story begins with the narrator telling us the story takes place in Verona. And there is a longstanding hatred between two families that often erupts in violence. The children of these enemies become lovers and take their own life. Only after their demise do their families end their feud. The narrator says that if we listen patiently, they'll make up for everything we've left out in the prologue. So let's get into the meat of the matter. And you know what? In the um, book that we received, it actually has a different title. It says the most excellent, the most excellent and lamentable tragedy of Romeo and Juliet. Mm. Okay. So act one, servants of the Capulets instigate a fight with the Montagues. The fight is initiated and soon after the family heads arrive ready to join in the fight. The wives are kind of holding them back, but the prince soon arrives. He's the ruler of Verona. Okay. He keeps the law. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, he keeps the law in Verona and he calls them all enemies of peace. The prince tells them that he will have them tortured if they keep fighting. And he tells them to throw down their weapons. He tells them that they are disturbing the peace of the streets. And if they cause a disturbance again, they will pay with their lives. He then Mm -hmm. um, tells Capulet, the family head Capulet, to come with him. And then Montague should meet up with him later for his judgment. Everyone disperses and then Lady Montague asks Romeo's friend and cousin where he is, stating she's glad he wasn't at the fight. And the friend tells her that he did see Romeo earlier by himself. And when he went towards him, he actually kind of hid. So Romeo wants to be by himself. Romeo's Mm -hmm. dad is like, you know, he's been really mournful and dark for a while and asks Romeo's cousin to find out why. Um, and then they see Romeo coming, so the parents leave as Romeo enters. And then Romeo's cousin asks him, what's wrong? And Romeo tells him that he's in love with someone who doesn't love him back. But then he notices the blood on his friend and quickly realizes there's been a fight, and so he's a little, he's saddened a little more. The next scene is um, the father. Wait, wait, if we can just give a little footnote to Rosaline. So Romeo is in love with this girl named Rosaline 
Um, it's unclear how long they've known each other. Romeo is pure emotion. Mm-hmm. He may have just met her once on the green line, <laughs> but he is devoted to this girl to the point where because she has not repaid his affection, maybe she's a little older and she's like, little boy, go away. No, she uh, says she, every- she 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 doesn't want to be married. She wants to be oh, is that it? for life. Yeah. Oh, so a bit friendly. She don't like him. She don't like him. Um, so everyone notices now that Romeo is just depressed all the time. He wants to be alone and he just writes poems all day about how much he loves Rosaline. And then he sees his friend with blood on his shirt, and that's another poem. Romeo is like, you know, he's a lot. Okay, that's all. Okay. But shout out to Rosaline for dodging a bullet. Am I right? <laughs> She the, she the real winner of the story. So listen, the next thing we see Daddy Capulet talking to this man named Paris. Now, Paris is like related to the prince and Paris wants to marry Julia. He has seen her. She's beautiful. But Daddy Capulet is like, Juliet is too young. Give her a couple of years. And Paris tells him girls younger than her. Are married are and with babies. Already mothers next door. Okay. What kind of sad town? They all must die at 30. <laughs> probably. <laughs> That's why yeah, they get probably. married so young. Yeah, anyway, cholera. Capulet um, tells him to come to his party tonight because he hosts in a shindig and he can make a selection of the women there. Um, after looking at them, he might be more interested in them than Juliet. So Daddy Capulet gives a list of names to people he wants invited to his party to his servant and tells him, go run off and invite these people. It's the list of names. But the servant can't read. I don't know why he don't know that. That was weird to me. Okay. But he comes across Romeo and his cousin and asks if they can read. And they're like, yeah, we can read a little bit. And Romeo reads the list and learns that it's a, a party invite. And the servant tells him that he can come if he's not a Montague. <laughs> and Romeo goes, bet, say less. Exactly. Romeo Montague. Romeo's cousin <laughs> is like, um, you know what? Since your girl, your old girl going to be there, we should go. <laughs> and maybe when we get there, you can find your next girl. Okay. Yeah, Rosaline, Rosaline's on the list. So go look cute and don't talk to her. <laughs> so Romeo agrees to go to the party just so he can see the woman he loves, though. He's going just to see Rosaline. <laughs> so Lady Capulet, that's Juliet's mom, comes to speak to Juliet and ask her about her feelings for marriage. And here Juliet reveals that um, it's an honor, but it's not something I'll be thinking about. And then Julia be playing video games all day, okay, uh, and eating fruit snacks. Is that from the movie? Because you, <laughs> no. <sounds>. she's thirteen. <laughs> she a whole baby. Okay, mm. so the nurse commends her for this attitude, um, but Lady Capulet tells her she needs to start thinking about it because this girl's younger than her, married and mothers, and in fact, I was married by your age, so think about it. Sad. Mm-hmm. Lady Capulet tells Juliet that Paris wants her for a bride. And the nurse says, <laughs> he is a prize and a catch. And Lady Capulet co-signs on that uh, thought and tells Juliet at the party that evening that she should be looking at Paris as a potential mate. 
examine him, look him up and down, look at them facial features, see if you could love him, okay? Juliet says, I'll try. The new uh, the nurse tells Juliet to look for a man at the party. Just look for any man. Just just look. Be out there on the look. <laughs> baby, little baby. <laughs> it's time. It's time, okay? <laughs> so Romeo, um, his cousin and his friend Mercutio head to the party. They have masks on and before they go. And Romeo tells his cousin and friend he believes um, going to the party will be the start of something bad. Maybe even leading to his death. Hmm. Everyone's like, well, that's extreme. Anyway, y'all ready to go to the party? <laughs> so at the party, Romeo sees Juliet and says to his himself, his eyes were liars because he never saw true beauty before tonight. Romeo is the definition of a cheater. Listen, some people <laughs> feel a like... He is. No, he oh. is. He is a man who is constantly driven hither and thither by his eyes and his eyes lead his heart. So he might be madly. He will love bomb you and then go love bomb your friend. <laughs> he's sincere. He is so sincere. But he is cheating. That's not fair. I don't think he's a cheater. Y'all already not. know Alexis going to defend <laughs> Romeo. <laughs> he's not a cheater. He's just a lover. And he fell out of love. And now he's back in love. That does not a cheater make. Does that? Okay. <laughs> Listen, Tybalt, this is Juliet's cousin. She hears. So Tibble, Tibble, oh. you guys, Tybalt is definitely that workout class <laughs> your auntie used to take in the 90s. Anyway, it's okay. Tibble, Just a little whatever. slip up. Tibble, anyway, Tibble. He overhears Romeo talking and he's like, that's a Montague. I'm going to get him. And he immediately um, wants to fight him. So he tells his page to go get his sword. And Daddy Capulet asks Tybo, why is he so angry? And he tells him, it's an enemy at our party and he's here to mock it. And Daddy Tybalt is like, oh, is that Romeo, young Romeo? And Tybo is like, yeah, that's that villainous Romeo. Mm-hmm. How he described him so aggressively? What is it based on? <laughs> gang violence. This is just gang violence. Anyone um, affiliated with the political party must understand this. <sighs> okay. You just hate them because of their name. <laughs> they terrible. <laughs> they name. Daddy Capulet mm-hmm. says, listen, leave him alone. Romeo has a good reputation. That's not a cheater. He's virtuous, well-behaved, and carries himself like a dignified gentleman. I wouldn't in my house for all the wealth in this town um, try to throw him out. So calm down, Tybo. Tybo says, Tybo, Tybo. Tybo, <laughs> Tybo. Okay, fine. Romeo and Julieta. <laughs> Tibble says he can't tolerate it. And Daddy T- uh, Daddy Capulet said, uh, uh, yes, so you will, or I'm going to be taking you out. Mm-hmm. Tibble is upset by his uncle's reaction. He leaves the party. Okay, so back to Romeo and Juliet. Um, Romeo sweeps in with a little bit of cake in. Uh, he's making his way to Juliet and takes her <laughs> hand and says, if my wait, wait, hands... Do they say- 
Okay, if y'all don't live in the Midwest of the United States, I don't know if you know what she's saying. But caking is when you like laying it on thick with a a person that you are interested in. Okay. Okay. Just a little translation. And I'll give you an example. He says, if my hands are rough, that can be fixed with my two lips ready to kiss. (laughs) A cheater. Not a A cheater. cheater. He's a lover. He Mm -hmm. is moving fast. Okay, fast, fast. I mean, Romeo is laying it on thick. He tells... Love bombing. (laughs) He tells um, (laughs) Juliet, let lips do what hands do. Okay, okay. And she like, hands pray. Hands pray. I am 13. Everyone get a grip. I'm literally wearing a diaper. (laughs) He says, I'm praying for you to kiss me. And before long, Romeo is kissing fair Juliet. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then she like, oh, change, change, change your heart. Uh, you kiss by the book. <laughs> uh, then pops mm-hmm. up the nurse telling um, Julia her mother is, wants her. And Romeo asks the nurse who she is, um, who her mother is, who the young girl's mother is. And she tells him it's the lady of the house. Whoever marries her will be wealthy. And Romeo is distressed learning that Julia is a Capulet. Juliet also learns that Romeo is the son of her worst enemy, Act Two. Mm-hmm. The narrator now tells us that we are about to see Romeo and Juliet blossom in effect. So Romeo leaves the party, hides from his cousin and friend to try and see if he can find Juliet or see her. And he finds her window somehow and her porch and he watches her and then he whacks his poet. Okay, and Juliet doesn't know he's watching her, and she's also doing the same thing. So literally, they both like have these soliloquies, and they're quite poetic. And then Romeo interrupts her soliloquy by um, responding, "But soft, what light thou yonder window breaks? It is the east, and Juliet is the sun. Arise, fair sun, and kill the envious moon, who is already sick and pale with grief, that thou her maid art far more fair than she. Be not her maid, since she is envious. Her vestal livery is but sick and green, and none but fools do wear it. Cast it off. It is my lady. Oh, it is my love. Oh, that she knew she were. She speaks, yet she says nothing. What of that? Her eye discourses, I will answer it. Ah, I am too bold. Tis not to me she speaks. Two of the fair stars in all the heaven having some business do entreat her eyes to twinkle in their spheres till they return. What if her eyes were there, they in her head? The brightness of her cheek would shame those stars as daylight doth a lamp. Her eyes in heaven would through the airy region stream so bright that birds would sing and think it were not night. See how she leans her cheek upon her hand. Oh, that I were a glove upon that hand, that I might touch that cheek. Juliet. Hi, me. Romeo. She speaks. Oh, speak again, bright angel, for thou art as glorious to this night, being o'er my head, as is a winged messenger of heaven, and to the white upturned wandering eyes of mortals that fall back to gaze on him when he bestrides the lazy pacing clouds and sails upon the bosom of the air. Juliet. Oh, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? Deny thy father and refuse thy name, or, if thou wilt not, be 
but sworn my love, and I'll no longer be a Capulet. Romeo, shall I hear more? Or shall I speak at this? Juliet, tis but thy name that is my enemy. Thou art thyself, though not a Montague. What's Montague? It is not hand, nor foot, nor arm, nor face, nor any other part belonging to a man. Oh, be some other name. What's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. So Romeo would, were he not Romeo called. Retain that dear perfection which he owes without that title. Romeo, doff thy name. And for that name which is no part of thee, take all myself. Romeo. I take thee at thy word. Call me but love and I'll be new baptized. Henceforth, I never will be Romeo. Juliet, what man art thou that thus bescreened in night so stumps on my counsel? Romeo, by a name. I know not how to tell thee who I am. My name, dear saint, is hateful to myself because it is an enemy to thee. Had I it written, I would tear the word. Juliet, My ears have not yet drunk a hundred words of that tongue's utterance, yet I know the sound. Art thou not Romeo and a Montague? Romeo, neither, fair saint, if either thee dislike. Juliet, how camest thou hither? Tell me, and wherefore? The orchard walls are high and hard to climb in the place. Death, considering who thou art. If any of my kinsmen find thee here... Romeo, with love's light wings did I o'er perch these walls, for stony limits cannot hold love out, and what love can do, that dares love attempt. Therefore thy kinsmen are no let to me. Juliet, if they do see thee, they will murder thee. Romeo, alack, there lies more peril in thine eyes than twenty of their swords. Look thou but sweet, and I am proof against their enmity. Juliet, I would not for the world they saw thee here. Romeo, I have night's cloak to hide me from their sight. And but thou love me, let them find me here. My life were better ended by their hate than death prorogued, wanting of thy love. Juliet, by whose direction foundest thou out this place? Romeo, by love, that first did prompt me to inquire. He let me counsel, and I lent him eyes. I am no pilot, yet wert thou as far as that vast shore washed with the farthest sea. I would adventure for such merchandise. Juliet, thou knowest the mask of night is on my face, else would a maiden blush but paint my cheek. For that which thou hast heard me speak tonight, fain would I dwell in form, fain, fain deny what I have spoke, but farewell compliment. Dost thou love me? I know thou wilt say I, and I will take thy word. Yet if thou swearest, thou mayst prove false at lovers' perjuries, then say Jove laughs. O gentle Romeo, if thou dost love, pronounce it faithfully, or if thou thinkest I am too quickly won, I'll frown and be perverse and say thee nay, so thou wilt woo, but else not for the world. In truth, fair Montague, I am too fond. And therefore thus may think my havior light, but trust me, gentlemen, I'll prove more true than those that have more cunning to be strange. I should have been more strange, I must confess, but that thou overheardst, I, I was where my true love passion. Therefore pardon me, and not impute this yielding to light love which the dark night hath so discovered. 
Romeo. Lady by yonder blessed moon, I swear, that tips with silver all these fruit tree tops. Juliet, oh, swear not by the moon, the inconstant moon, that monthly changes in her circled orb, lest that thy love prove likewise variable. Romeo, what shall I swear by? Juliet, do not swear at all. Or, if thou wilt, swear by thy gracious self, which is the god of my idolatry, and I'll believe thee. Romeo, if my heart's dear love, Juliet, well, do not swear, although I joy in thee. I have no joy of this contract tonight. It is too rash, too unadvised, too sudden, too like the lightning which doth cease to be. Ere one can say it lightens. Sweet, good night. This bud of love by summer's ripening breath may prove a beauteous flower when next we meet. Good night, good night. The sweet repose and rest come to thy heart as that within my breast. Romeo. Oh, wilt thou leave me so unsatisfied? Juliet, what satisfaction canst thou have tonight? Romeo, the exchange of thy love's faithful vow for mine. Juliet, I gave thee mine before thou didst request it, and yet I would it were to give again. Romeo, wouldst thou withdraw it? For what purpose, love, Juliet? But to be frank and give it thee again, and yet I wish but for the thing I have. My bounty is as boundless as the sea, my love as deep. The more I give to thee, the more I have, for both are infinite. I hear some noise within, dear love, adieu. <laughs> so he's a cheater. Go ahead. Doesn't equal a cheater. I don't know where you get that math from. So Juliet is called away from the conversation and um, tells Romeo to wait. She does that a couple of times um, and the conversation is over and they go home. So Julio, well, before he goes home. Julio, that's their baby name. <laughs> Julio. <laughs> Juliet returns. She tells Romeo that if his intentions are truly honorable, that he'll want to marry her and he'll set up a time and place for them to marry. And she'll send him a message. She'll send a messenger to him um, around nine o'clock-ish for the deets, okay? And they agree. Romeo and Juliet were up all night, all morning, um, talking. So he goes straight to Friar Lawrence's house. And the friar knows that Romeo hasn't been to bed at all. And Romeo tells the friar that he has forgotten about that other girl and has been <laughs> feasting with his enemy. He is in love with Capulet's daughter and she loves him and they want to marry. The friar is like, but he was just in love with that other girl. How many tears did you shed? the friar recognizes what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> How many tears did you shed for her? He said, I can still hear your groans in my ear. The friar tells Romeo he can't um, expect women to be faithful. When men are so unreliable, <laughs> he tells him he didn't let him get rid of one love. He didn't tell him to go get rid of one love just to take on another. Meanwhile, that's mm. what, exactly what his friends was telling him. Oh, that's true. The friar <laughs> agrees to marry mm. Romeo and Juliet, and he believes their marriage will turn the family's hatred to love. So Romeo is like, I'm in a rush. And the friar tells him those who rush stumble and mm -hmm. fall yes so yes mercutio and romeo's cousin tease romeo for giving them the slip the prior evening okay um they think he's caught up with some girl rosaline oh yeah and also mm -hmm. they learn that tybalt 
sent a letter to Romeo telling. Tybo! Oh. <laughs> we ain't gonna stand for these Tybos no more. <laughs> I'll get it right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, y'all. Don't be mad with me. I apologize. Tybo? Tybo. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to get it right. You know what, girl? You call him Tybo. Who cares? Tybo. It ain't gonna rhyme in some uh, of the stanzas, but that's okay. But that's okay. When you read it, do better. Yeah, y'all. As, um, <laughs> anyway, Tibble <laughs> sends a letter to Romeo challenging him. And as um, they're speaking about this situation, the nurse, Juliet's nurse, walks up and asks for Romeo, requesting um, an audio audience with Romeo. Um, so Romeo tells the nurse that Juliet should come up with a story for her parents so that she can meet him at the Abbey so the friar can marry them. <laughs> it's happening, y'all. The nurse warns Romeo not to hurt Juliet and that Paris also wants to marry Juliet. She just kind of threw that in there. When the nurse returns to Juliet, and after complaining about her aches and pains, she delivers mm-hmm. the message to Juliet. And Juliet heads out. When Juliet arrives to the friar, he marries them immediately. It's moving and shaking, y'all. Act three. Mercutio and Romeo's cousin are hanging out with some other folks. They probably um, ruffians. But Romeo's cousin wants to leave because he knows the Capulets are around. And when they bump into them, it's for sure going to be a fight. And they do bump into Tibble and his friends. And they engage in a little argument and stuff. And Mercutio and Romeo's cousin um, engage back, okay? It's getting ready to get hot. The fellas are tussling. Then Romeo shows up after having just wed his dear Juliet and Tybalt sees Romeo and knows he's the one he has a problem with. And Romeo displays calm submission, the book describes it as, telling Tybalt he loves him and there is no reason to fight. Yeah, Romeo's trying to like calm everyone down, be the agent of peace. The one the prince is looking for, really. Um, this mm-hmm. anger, Mercutio, um, this angers Mercutio and he raises his sword and Thibault also raises his sword and Romeo draws his sword and tells his cousin to do the same in an effort to stop Mercutio and Thibault from fighting. Mm-hmm. But in the tussle, Romeo kind of gets in the way and Thibault stabs Mercutio. And the Capulets run off. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mercutio dies, saying a plague on both your houses, dying yeah. at the same time. And Romeo mm-hmm. is now raging. He is like, revenge is needed. And Tybalt returns. They fight, and Romeo kills Tybalt. Romeo mm-hmm. now runs off. When the prince arrives, Lady Capulet calls for Romeo's death. Instead of death, the prince banishes Romeo from Verona. Yeah, because it's explained to him that actually Romeo was trying to make peace 
Tibble didn't want peace. Tibble kills Mercutio. And in an effort to avenge Mercutio, Romeo killed Tibble. And then he tells him if he's caught in the city, then he will die. Mm-hmm. So while Juliet is awaiting her night um, for Romeo to come so they can consummate their marriage, the nurse has set it all up so that he could climb up the uh, ladder to her, to her porch, her room floor, whatever. He tells, she tells um, Juliet that Romeo killed Tybalt and he has been banished by the prince. So Juliet struggles with the sadness of Tybalt's death and the gladness that Romeo is still alive when Tybalt wanted him dead. Juliet also mourns that she will die a virgin because Romeo has been banished, okay? But the nurse tells Juliet she knows that Romeo is hiding out at the Friars and she'll go get Romeo so they can spend the night, their final night together before he has to flee. We, meanwhile, back at the Friar, Romeo is in full distress. He's on the floor crying. He can't calm down long enough to even listen to reason. He even threatens to take his own life. Both the friar and um, the nurse, because the nurse shows up, they tell him, Mm -hmm. stand up and act like a man. And the friar tells Romeo to go be with Juliet and then leave for Matua before the night watchman arrives to take their position. Or stay there um, and stay in Matua in this banished location um, until he can make the marriage public and make peace between the family. So it's like a temporary mm-hmm. situation. Just go over and be banished before it's um, so you can get out of the way of all the angry people. Right. Until it comes. And then once they, yeah, once they calm down, they'll welcome you back with open arms and. Right. This will just be a, a funny story you tell your children one yeah, day. And then maybe um, the prince will even pardon you. The nurse yeah. gives Romeo a ring from Juliet. The friar tells Romeo he'll send an update with his servant. So back at the Capulet house, Lady Capulet and her husband are meeting with Paris. And they've decided the best way to assist Juliet because she is mourning heavily is to have her wed Paris on Thursday. It's Monday. Okay. In mm-hmm. three days, we want you to marry There's a great, um, There's a great way that uh, Shakespeare keeps time in this uh, play. Everything is urgent. So um, Daddy Capulet is convinced his daughter will do whatever he says. He then tells Lady Capulet to go tell Juliet she's getting married on Thursday. Listen, when mm-hmm. Lady Capulet arrives to tell Juliet, but she's going to marry Paris on Thursday. First, she tells her a little bit of um, grief. Shows a lot of love. But too much grief makes you look stupid. Make you look stupid. So yeah. she said, cut it out. Stop <laughs> crying about Tybalt. Then she tells her that um, she's weeping not for Tybalt's death, but for the villain who killed, the villain that killed him is still alive. So then uh, Juliet. She then tells Juliet they have um, they'll make a plan and they'll poison Romeo. And Juliet wants to be the person to do the poisoning. Then she tells Juliet she's getting married on Thursday. Juliet says she'll marry Romeo, somebody that she hates before she marries Parrish. I mean, Parrish. Yeah, she don't really hate Romeo. Yeah. But yeah, she just wants her family to believe that's why she's mourning so much yeah and, so and she's, she's like yeah i'd rather marry my loathed enemy 
than to marry Paris. And she said, this is a strange rush. And Lady Capulet mm-hmm. tells her that, um, uh, tells her to tell, tell your father that because he wants you to do mm-hmm. this. And then just then her father comes in the room and he hears the news that Juliet doesn't want to marry Paris. And he is big mad. He is like, I'm about to disown you, girl. You ungrateful. You ungrateful, Kyle. <laughs> he, he comes in with all the nasty names about his daughter mm-hmm. that he loves so much. He said, you just, yeah. you just spoiled. Um, the mother, too, is rad. And he also tells her that if you don't marry Paris, you can't live under my roof no more. Juliet speaks to her nurse and asks her opinion. Oh, and the nurse tells her that she's better off marrying Paris because Romeo is gone. He's been a shed, so can't stay. Might as well marry him. Mm -hmm. Plus, he looked better, she said. Broken, Juliet concedes and tells the nurse to tell her mother that she's gone to the friar to ask for forgiveness for making her father angry. When the nurse leaves, Juliet vows to never share confidence with the nurse again and then hurries off to the friar. Act four. When Juliet arrives at the friar, Paris is there. When he sees Juliet, he tries to get her to say that she loves him, but she doesn't. She like, I I really never met you. (laughs) In actuality. He's like, we're going to do a whole lot of meeting on Thursday. She's like, Ugh. okay, bye. When I wake you up in the morning, <laughs> yeah, That's what woo. When Paris leaves, um, she begs the friar. Juliet begs the friar for a solution. She tells him that if he can't solve it, she'll solve it herself with a knife. The friar tells her to go home, tells um, and tell the family she'll marry Paris. And then send the nurse away and take this concoction of liquor and a sleep-inducing drug that he's come up with. And that drug, because he um, he dabbles in the plants, you know, he'd be mixing up mm-hmm. stuff. He's an apothecary. Yes. The drug will make her, will put her in a death-like state for like 42 hours. And when Paris comes Thursday morning. It's Benadryl. <laughs> <laughs> she seems sleep and she'll be placed in an open coffin as tr- tradition demands and placed in the Capulet family tomb. So the friars got it all planned out. And then he'll send word to Romeo and um, tell him to meet, meet the friar at the tomb when Juliet should awaken. And then they'll run away to Matua. Juliet agrees to the plan, goes home, asks her father for forgiveness, and she tells him she'll do whatever he says. And when Juliet is alone, she wonders if she's making the right decision. She wonders if the friar made that concoction to kill her to save face for himself. But then she tells herself he is a trustworthy man. So she comes up with a bunch of what ifs. Um, She's struggling to make a decision here, but she finally drinks the vial. The next morning, when the nurse goes to wake Juliet up, she sees that she is dead and still in her clothes. The Capulets, the nurse, and Paris wail over Juliet. Mm -hmm. Act five. Romeo dreams that Juliet finds him dead and wakes him with a kiss. 
Now he's in Matua. And just then, his servant arrives and tells him that Juliet is dead. He saw the body in the Capulet tomb. Romeo asks if he has a letter from the friar, but he doesn't. Oh, never the matter. Mm-hmm. Romeo decides to make a visit to the local pharmacy to pick up a prescription for death. <laughs> Something that works. Do you have unliving number five? <laughs> Unliving. And they like, yeah, we got a whole bunch of them. Life is boring here. <laughs> Something that works as fast as gunpowder, even though it's illegal to sell lethal poisons. The pharmacist sells it to Romeo. A child. <laughs> a child. Bad things happening. Romeo just sees it it's as medicine. Bad. Like, I need the medicine. Meanwhile, the friar learns that the letter he sent to Romeo didn't make it there. Oh, the friar that was supposed to deliver it got held up over concerns of a plague and was quarantined and everybody was afraid of catching the plague. So nobody wanted to deliver the message because it was too risky. We know all about Don't that. So yeah. Mm-hmm. The friar calls, um, asks the friar for a crowbar and sends another urgent letter to Romeo at Matua. And decides he'll keep Juliet with him until Romeo arrives back um, from Matua. Mm-hmm. Paris, okay, he's mourning Juliet. He goes to Juliet's tomb with flowers. And while there, Romeo shows up with a pickaxe and a crowbar. Paris sees Romeo going to the tomb and he thinks he's going to commit crimes against the dead bodies. So he decides to stop him. Paris tells him, stop this evil work. Come with me. You must die. Romeo must die. I think that was a movie. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Uh, Romeo says, don't mess with me. I am a desperate man. And he tells Paris to step off. Paris is not stepping off. And he is insisting that he arrest Romeo. Romeo is not here for it. They fight. And Romeo um, and Paris' service sees the fight. Paris' servant actually sees the fight and runs to tell somebody. Paris falls and says, I've been killed. Lay me next Mm -hmm. to Juliet. Mm -hmm. Romeo lays Paris next to Juliet. How kind. (laughs) He does it. He throws him in a ditch. He lays him next to Juliet. (laughs) Oh, Romeo okay. drinks the poison. You must be talking about a movie. No, I because rem- in the movie, actually, this doesn't happen. Oh. But in the play, I remember uh, uh, Romeo is like, oh, hold up. I would lay you next to Juliet, but I don't want to. Here's a ditch. Here, I'll find it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So Romeo is um, um, <laughs> Romeo drinks the poison. And quickly dies after kissing fair Juliet. When the friar arrives, he sees Romeo and Paris dead and Juliet is waking up. He then hears a noise and he tries to get Juliet to leave, but she refuses because she has eyed her fair Romeo dead next to her. Juliet Mm -hmm. kisses Romeo's lips in hopes of getting the poison he'd taken because he didn't leave any for her. It doesn't work. So she stabs herself with Romeo's dagger and dies. The end. 
Shall we take a quick break? Oh, girl, yes. Let me go cry. First of all, I want to say you are absolutely right to fulfill Paris's dying wish. Romeo lays him at the base of Juliet's tomb. I never knew that. Thank you. What an excellent summary you provided. Um, I have not read this work in a while. In fact, the last time and only time I read it, I was forced to in school. So I didn't really appreciate it. Reading it now, I was shocked by how well written it was. And also, in my opinion, um, how excellent the rhyming is chosen. It doesn't all rhyme, but when it does, it, it is a brilliant uh, like machine to drive the story. A few of my favorite quotes. That late thou gaves me from Mercutio's soul is but a little way above our heads, saying for thine to keep him company, either thou or I or both must go with him. Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, delivery of this line, chef's kiss. So good. Also, death is my son-in-law. Death is my heir. My daughter he hath wedded. I will die and leave him all. Life living, all is death. This is Juliet's father when he finds her dead. I love that line. Just really, really well done. So in conclusion, Romeo and Juliet is a very short work. Um, it is derivative, but so is like the Lion King and y'all ain't complaining. Some of y'all are. Keep it up. Um, so, uh, yeah, I really love it. I did not know how much I loved it until I read it now at my big old age. And I really thank you for that. I would read this again. I really got lost in the story, even though you know how it ends. It's been done to death. It's just so well written that each line carried me away. And I love it. Highly recommend. Alexis, what do you think of Romeo and Juliet by William Shakespeare? And would you recommend this work? So it's a, you know, I read the original language and that is really hard to understand to me. So Mm -hmm. I have to follow that up with a modern language version. And so when I did, I learned a lot of stuff. Okay. So I think I'd rather stay in the dark and read the words in the dark because it's um, it's very poetic. But knowing what they really mean and like a lot of innuendo that's in there, I'm like, yeah, for sure. "Ah, ah, Oh, (laughs) so I'd rather be lost in the dark than have the way Mercutio talks, and he talks, yeah, very. Black and white is just like, oh, Mercutio, you okay? He's not. That's the thing. <laughs> He's not. He's Something not. is wrong with Mercutio. So there are several. Yeah. Pause. There are several um, references um, to Mercutio that that Mercutio makes that are highly sexual. And I'm just like quite mm-hmm. surprised by them. So I, um, if I read it again, I would definitely read the um, 
Old the English old English version, version and remain yeah. confused because my pure ears cannot take what he is giving. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's giving a lot. Also very violent outbursts of anger. Uh, yeah, he's not okay. He's also like, this reminds me, everyone in this book is related. So yeah. he's like related to the prince, as yep. you said, and Paris. Yes. Like, and then Rosaline is Juliet's cousin. You know what? Romeo is such a cheater. How um, anyway, <laughs> she didn't want him. I'm telling you. Anything okay. else? I'm just saying. <laughs> so I don't have to read it again because I know mm. what I know. But um, it's it is. I definitely like the way it's written in old English. It's there's some mm-hmm. very poetic moments. The Romeo, oh Romeo, where art thou? I love that. And then there's mm-hmm. scenes at the end um where Romeo was speaking passionately. I love those. I love the um the romanticism of the story. That's very special. Mm-hmm. So um I don't have to read it again. I mean if you gotta read it for school, feel free, but people love it. I get it. Go forth and conquer. Well, thank you for that, Alexis. Brilliant. (laughs) Uh, What are we reading next week? Black Girls Must Die Exhausted by Jane Allen. And thank you all for listening to Lit Society. Lit Society is brought to you by Kari Herrera and Alexis Honoria. Support the cause by listening on Apple, Spotify. Leave us a comment on Apple about why you absolutely love us. Rate us five stars on Spotify, please, as you've been doing. And now you can also comment on each episode over there. The Spotify girls have got commenting now. Uh, If you've enjoyed what you've just heard, please share an episode with a friend. Um, Also follow us across social media channels. We're at Lit Society Pod everywhere. And until next week, read something. Read something.